All right, uh, let's close the show with some um, some upbeat stuff. Seeing what's happening down in, in Haiti with all the frustration and the fact that people can't get supplies in and it's just, just a terrible disaster. Uh, it makes us want to look extra hard for some, some good things going on. A group of folks have gotten together in Sacramento, and I presume, Dave, and I presume Davis and elsewhere, which are asking uh, tree owners who have more fruit that they can use to uh, allow volunteers to pick the fruit from their backyard trees and then pass along to local food agencies like the Sacramento Food Bank. And it certainly is true that, uh, you know, backyard fruit trees can produce huge volumes of, of good quality food that just goes to waste. If you want to offer up some fruit from your trees, you can sign up at www.harvestsacramento.org. And on the international scene... People have been taking a look at how to alleviate the hunger problem in uh, the developing world, and uh, there's an old answer that may be recycled. Breadfruit. Yes, the fruit that, uh, that inspired the notorious mutiny on the bounty grows quickly. It's high in fiber and carbs and protein. It's considered to, uh, to be ideal for the world's malnourished, which now total about a billion people according to the UN World Food Program. Reportedly, botanists uh, have been unable for centuries to reproduce and ship the plants uh, around the world very effectively, but apparently researchers led by Diane Ragone of the Breadfruit Institute at the National Tropical Botanical Gardens in Kauai, Hawaii, have discovered how to propagate it in mass to ship to regions in Central America and Africa where it would grow best, and of course where hunger rates are the highest. Article in Discover notes that Zach Lee, an agricultural specialist with the aid group Roots of Peace, spent a decade working with breadfruit in Haiti and thinks Haitians would be amenable to expanding the small number of breadfruit plants that already exist there. The breadfruit's kind of gotten a bad rap for being uh, kind of bland, but, uh, you know, I've eaten it in the tropics and, you know, it, <laughs> I think it tastes pretty good. I mean, raw, it's described as tasting like, like a raw potato, but uh, cooked, I think it tastes like a French fry, or maybe even better. So uh, much hope that an old crop might do a lot in the modern world to uh, alleviate suffering. And from the medical front, there's an item that uh, comes I, th- I, I can't resist from the, I have to say, I told you so file. Just going to read the item as reported by The Week magazine. 30 million Americans take medication to treat depression, but for most people, antidepressants serve mostly as placebo, scientists now say. Researchers at the University of Pennsylvania reanalyzed six major studies involving several hundred patients that had sought to determine whether antidepressants, including Paxil, were more effective than placebos at treating the subject's symptoms. They found the benefit of the drugs rose with the degree of depression. The most severely depressed patients saw their conditions improve, but the rest saw no improvement compared with patients who took placebo. In other words, co-author Robert DeBries told the New York Times, many of these patients felt somewhat better, but that may have been a function of believing the pills would help them or of the attention they received from doctors prescribing the medication. He said, quote, The message for patients with mild to moderate depression is... Look, medicines are always an option, but there's little evidence that they add to other efforts to shake the depression, whether it's exercise, seeing the doctor, reading about the disorder, or going for psychotherapy. Noted psychiatrist Eric Turner, the study does affirm the value of medication for people with acute depression. I have to say that's acute severe depression, Dr. Turner. 
but he said it could dampen enthusiasm for antidepressant medications a bit, and that may be a good thing. Here, here. Here's the horrifying stat. One out of 10 Americans is taking antidepressants. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been on antidepressants for years and your depression is of the mild or moderate variety, this needs a rethink. This study shows that it cannot be established that your condition is being improved any more than if you took placebo. We have suspected that such is the case and have said so on this program for quite some time now, and we're, we're glad to see that the science is backing us up. Speaking of a common-sense contribution to well-being and medical care, article by Sam McManus in The Bee, last November 8th, I've been saving. We save stuff a lot on this program, by the way, waiting for the right time to talk about it. But to article back then about Dr. Peter Murphy, pulmonologist at Mercy San Juan Medical Center, notes that the doc made a vow eight years ago to skip the elevator at work in favor of always using the stairs. Dr. Murphy noted that when most people in this country think about exercise, they think all or nothing, going out and running marathons. But he noted that 30 minutes of exercise five days a week would be incredibly helpful to most people's well-being. To promote this idea and raise money and awareness for the American Lung Association, Dr. Murphy and a couple of colleagues participated uh, last November in a Fight for Air Climb, which is a 32-story race up the tallest office tower in Sacramento. Murphy was evidently joined by Dr. Stephen Maxwell, a thoracic surgeon, and the medical center's president, Brian Ivey. And, hmm, this is something new in my experience. An administrator actually taking part in some medical work? Dr. Murphy told Sam that he just wants people at work or at shopping malls or hotels to stop taking the lazy person's way up. Elevator, escalator, and get vertical under human power. And, you know... Special request from this, this doctor, when you step onto a people mover or an escalator, ascend or walk or move forward, continue to move. People get on an escalator and they immediately stop. If folks would actually ascend an escalator, you could get traffic moving a lot faster inside of shopping malls and stores and such. Criminy, is that, is that too much to ask? I can't tell you how many times I've been trying to get through in there in a hurry, and I come to one of those people movers, and everybody in front of me has stopped like a bunch of cattle out in the pasture. So what I inevitably do is skip them because I can move a lot faster than this supposed you know, uh, passenger speeding up device by just moving alongside of it and hustling. Perhaps many of you have had similar frustrating experiences. Anyway, Doc Murphy's on to something. Here's one I really like. Try parking your car at the farther end of the parking lot deliberately instead of, <laughs> instead of circling around trying to get 30 feet closer. Anyway, this is a simple thing, but it's, it's a pretty doggone good idea. Mr. McManus notes in the article that building designers haven't been stair-friendly, according to a study published in last summer's Southern Medical Journal. Co-authors called for builders to make stairs the star of office buildings, department stores, and the like. They note that stairs are frequently hidden from entrances with only small signs denoting their locations, typically in connection to the fire exit. They noted that fire exits are usually guarded by heavy doors, not carpeted, and sometimes not air-conditioned. 
They report that architects find it challenging to comply with current building codes, which emphasize fire safety and accessibility. The authors suggest installing carpeting and air conditioning. At the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, officials there found that playing music in stairwells and displaying motivational signs significantly increased the use of stairs. And no, I, I have no idea what, uh, what motivational signs uh, were like. Mr. McManus did suggest that some appropriate music for the stairwell might include the Rocky theme. Which does give us some great music to go out with on today's program. Our thanks to Gerald Nachman. His book, Right Here on Our Stage Tonight, is a great read, and we can't recommend it to you highly enough. We're looking very forward to speaking with him in the future about his other great books, Raised on Radio and Seriously Funny, the Rebel Comedians of the 1950s and 60s. This program was produced by Edward McMillan, who's going to share with us on next week's program some anecdotes about his meeting the legendary Muhammad Ali. In the weeks to come, we'll be speaking to William Poundstone again. He was a great guest previously about his new book, Priceless, The Myth of Fair Value and How to Take Advantage of It. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week.